Hi, I'm Harry Wheeler and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. This week we're going to look at who's had a Christmas cracker and who's turned out to be a bit of a Christmas pudding really. To wait all over we have Rob Worrell. Hello Rob. Yeah, hi Chris. Oh, hang on, I've done that wrong, haven't I? Yeah, I'm not Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you did have... <laughs> I'm keeping Sorry. that in, I'm keeping that in, that'll be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Chris Rob, I'm Luke I've worked that bit out now mate, sorry <laughs> well, Yeah, as he said, the housewife's favourite, Chris Pratt, hello Chris Hello Luke Also we've got Tom on the line Hi guys Which means for the first time in a while, all four of us are on the podcast So it's sure to be a good one In the National League then, we'll look back at the key results on Boxing Day And it was a pretty massive day in terms of results so, Dagenham beat Lake Norian in the early kickoff. Like at Salford, they, they basically had to come from behind after Josh Caroma had given Orient the lead, but Alexander McQueen fashioned an equaliser and then Ben Nunn scored the winner, which left Orient praying for a miracle, a Christmas miracle almost. And it happened as it finished Wrexham 5, Salford 1. And Rob, that probably was a standout result of Boxing Day. Not only Boxing Day, but the season. Oh, incredible. Incredible for me particularly because I'd watched Wrexham the week before. They couldn't score past, you know, Aldershot, who, as we well know, one of the probably worst three defences, defensive records in, in the National League this season. And I didn't really see that one coming, if I'm honest. But Wrexham suddenly pulling it all together and picking up a bit of form, bang on the right time, just as Orient and uh, Salford and starting to uh, stutter a bit. Of course, Leighton yeah. Orient, they followed up that defeat at Dagenham by only drawing at Dover on Saturday. Salford had the early kickoff on Saturday and they went up to Barrow, who were top of the farm table currently and lost by three goals to two. Granted, they went down to 10 men, but they were already 1 0 down by then. But a late winner from Jacob Blythe and a penalty spot means four defeats on the spin for Salford. They've even dropped out of the top three now. And uh, Wrexham, they won 1 0 against Solihull Moors, which meant that it's uh, a fantastic Christmas for Wrexham and they're only behind Leighton Orient by a point, but they have got a game in hand. Yeah, they've got that game in hand, as you say, and it's unthinkable a few weeks ago, the way that Orient and Salford were starting to pull away a little bit. We almost started to dismiss Wrexham, didn't we? But credit to Graham Barrow, you know, he, he, he's he, he's actually picked up, with, you know, with a good time. I think maybe that's the benefit of him already being there, uh, possibly. Uh, he's just been he's just been able to tweak as he wished. They've got good backup there. They've got a reasonable depth for uh, you know a, a team at this level. And um, yeah, they, they they could now go the distance. I think they've made people sit up and take notice because as spectacular as the five-one was. Beating this season Solihull Moors 1-0 is not easy to do either and uh, I haven't got the uh, details in front of me but I think it's only Solihull Moors third, maybe fourth defeat of the season, you know, and uh, so uh, massive, massive Christmas so far for Wrexham. As for Salford, well, I haven't had a chance to watch the Barrow game yet, so uh, I can't speak with too much wisdom, but what I'm scratching my head about is how when they brought in Matt Green now he scored yesterday but it seems to have uh, upset the rhythm a little bit up front doesn't it Gaffney so impressive this season and him and Rooney together in tandem we talked about it a month or so ago what a pairing you know they're literally going to give all defences plenty to worry about and Green's come in straight in the side Gaffney's on the bench and uh, I'm pretty sure Adam Rooney's now gone three four games without scoring as we mentioned Solihull they went into that game against Wrexham on Saturday after back of a 4-0 win at Chesterfield which ultimately saw the end of Martin Allen and Chesterfield followed that up with their favourite result of the season uh, a draw uh, 1-1 at home to Hartlepool and Rob where did Chesterfield go from here now did he go for uh, an experienced manager people like John Askey Darryl McMahon are being linked with a job do you think they should go for a big name like that or just somebody who can steady the ship maybe well just had a big name they've had a big character haven't they and it hasn't worked out there for Martin Allen uh, staggeringly really given his experience in that division given the the squad that he's put together a bit of a mystery really why they've not just failed but failed so badly their key number one priority now has to be to retain their national league status find themselves in a in a relegation position as it stands coming into the new year 
nobody on this planet would have would have would have, would have predicted that, other than perhaps a few cynical Chesterfield fans who who uh, who felt that they were on a downward spiral and it wasn't going to be addressed even by Alan. What do they do? I don't know. I mean, the obvious rumours are there, aren't they? About uh, Ian Ever, who not that long ago was released as a player at Chesterfield, but he's had a really really good solid start in management at uh, Barrow. And, and we need to doff our caps to Barrow as well over Christmas point. I mean, at the start of play yesterday, they were in 10th place. I think they're only down to 11th now. Uh, quite staggering when you consider the changes that were made in the summer there. You know, the big budgets or the bigger budgets pulled. All about self-sustainability and a cracking starting management for Ian Evans. Say as well, with Barrow, they're now unbeaten in six. And that includes... Fixtures against Wrexham, Solihull, AFC Fylde and Salford. That's a really incredible run of form for a club the size of Barrow. Great point, John. Like you say, if, if Chesterfield do go free and ever, it's a completely different style of play to Martin Allen as well. You've seen Barrow at first hand, Rob. They like to get the ball down and play, don't they? Yeah, it's very contrasting to uh, to the last couple of seasons. So it's a change in, 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 in so many aspects. You know, starting with the budget, then the personnel, you know, the formation, the tactics, everything. Um, this league never ceases to amaze me, you know, it, it, how, how teams that you've written off can suddenly go six, seven, eight games without a win, and then how teams can suddenly have a reversal the other way, like Chesterfield, winning the first three games and then not winning in 19, and Salford absolutely hitting the straps, really, at this level right in the title road and then they lose four on the trot out of nowhere it's staggering Mm-hmm. In terms of Barrow, Rob, I mean, they're eight, points off the, they're eight points off the last playoff spot at the minute. Do you think that's slightly beyond them? Yes, I do, uh, mainly because of the points differential. You have to feel at the moment for, for, for clubs like, not so much Barrow, because they've made their progress up the league now, but Eastleigh and Ebsleigh, Eastleigh have been in terrific form since, form since Gary Hill came along. They've had a good Christmas too. The sides above them just keep gathering the points, and, and there is a gap there to the top eight between ninth and Sutton in eighth but um, you know we'll come on to Sutton in a minute it is closing up just above that and uh, you know this, this this season's got a few more chapters of a uh, uh, few more roller coaster rides left in it yet the other big winners at the top Rob were, were filed they've had a, a couple of good results over Christmas they've, they've rocketed up into third and they went into they went up to Harrogate who've, who've been superb this season and won by two goals to nil uh, left it late it was a Danny Rowe penalty in the last minute but filed can't rule them out either no you can't um, let's start with Harrogate didn't see those two home defeats coming uh, particularly at home to Halifax on uh, Boxing Day. Yeah, I thought it would be tight between uh, Harrogate and Fylde yesterday, but uh, Danny Rowe, two goals from yesterday, and actually he's just edged ahead now of uh, Macaulay Bond at the top of the uh, National League goal-scoring chart. So a big, big win for Fylde. Uh, Harrogate, just a little blip for them. They'll be grateful that uh, others above them have slipped as well over Christmas. But if you were to look at that... Um, top end of the table in the National League Luke um, it's difficult to come up with an argument for anyone other than the top 8 finishing in the top 7 yeah we'll, we'll get on to Sutton shortly uh, in terms of on Boxing Day at the bottom uh, Maidenhead you saw them first hand Rob they, they came from behind to beat Aldershot and um, it sounded a very entertaining game and uh, we'll catch up with Alan, Alan, Alan Devonshire shortly but um, a big big result for Maidenhead and a big blow for Aldershot yeah huge blow for Aldershot and uh, yeah full credit to Maidenhead both teams have been struggling to score goals both teams have been struggling to, to, to win in conceding goals for fun and obviously they did in that match too shots took the lead Maidenhead equalised both goals coming about half hour in after a, a, a pretty poor first half to be told nobody could predict what was coming all the shots switched off they got three goals in 15 minutes and pretty much the game was over uh, there was still time for a little late all the shot fight back they did score a couple of goals one of them a real beauty from Reese Grant who's found a little bit of form over Christmas but it was too little too late. Massive three points for Maidenhead. And Rob caught up with Maidenhead manager Alan Devonshire after the game. Very kindly been joined by Alan Devonshire. After a 
another high scoring thriller between Maidenhead and, and Aldershot uh, last season it ended 3 all. but this yeah. time you, you, you won it by the odd goal in 7 what a crazy game this is Alan it was it was we played really well and I think their first attack they scored which is seen to be happening with us at the moment and then we turn it round and play some good stuff and, and that went 4-1 up and then 4-2 uh, and then to be fair I thought we was okay and then of course the penalty with seven minutes to go or something is going to suddenly give him a lifeline but to be fair he didn't have a chance after that so I'm relieved uh, we needed the wins It's fair to say Alan isn't it that both sides who've conceded too many goals and haven't scored enough and have struggled to win games over the last uh, month or six weeks will have looked at the other today and thought this is a great chance yeah, of a yeah, win um, Try and share with us a little bit what kind of message you gave to your players at half-time today because they've come out and won the game effectively in the next 17 minutes. Listen, it's just the same as playing like, like we played the first half, you know. At the end of the day, we just have to be patient, work hard and we'll get our breaks. We haven't had any breaks um, and, and I feel we had a few breaks today, so, which is you know good for us and I'm really pleased. It gives us a little lift now with the games coming up. And to get a run of uh, results together, you're going to need to score goals. You've got some good firepower. I mean, you're able to bring Ryan Bird and uh, Dave Tarpey off the bench today. I know Tarpey's got to get yeah, back to that yeah, full sharpness, yeah. but uh, good weapons to bring on. Yeah, it's, it's nice now at the end of the day. A few of them are getting fit. Ryan up will be fit. James Connolly will be back soon. So, uh, listen, I'm really pleased. Thanks for joining us. I'll speak to you again later in the season. Cheers. And that was Maidenhead United manager Alan Devonshire. I said said to you, we we spoke about the result on on Boxing. You said it'll give Maidenhead a boost when he played Braintree at home. I said, well, don't be surprised if Braintree go there and win in in true National League style. They did, didn't they? (laughs) They did. And having watched Maidenhead on Boxing Day, I I couldn't see that happening because Maidenhead are physically going to go toe-to-toe with anybody in this league. They've got four or five giants. Dev's got them playing a certain way. It was very effective against Aldershot. But uh, I thought they'd have, they'd be able to out-muscle uh, and probably have a, a little bit more quality, particularly in front of goal, than, uh, than Braintree. What I did notice about Maidenhead, you know, is they've got uh, Clifton and Kelly are their top scorers, seven and six goals each. But on the bench, they were able to call upon the services of Ryan Bird, who got 19 goals for Dover last season. He was their top scorer. And Dave Tarby, who admittedly has had a horror couple of years with injury. But obviously, we know how prolific he can be at this level. So, you know, you would think that Maidenhead should have to give them a good chance of uh, staying up. But uh, as for as for Aldershot, well, it, it was uh, a tough one to take. And if that was tough to take, um, five minutes into the uh, into the game on Saturday at Sutton, um, well, people at Aldershot were looking for the ground to overlap and swallow them. So yeah, for Sutton, Sutton uh, Aldershot went two 0 down early on at Sutton. Uh, it, uh, Harry Butterman scored and uh, Williams followed up as well. And it wasn't a, as you say, a beauty day for Aldershot. And as you say, you wanted a response from Boxing Day from Aldershot and the worst possible start wasn't it it was uh, it was staggering really Gary Waddock made the decision to bring Jake Cole back in goal over Will Mannion who's on loan from Hull City and the first two things Jake Cole did was pick the ball out of the net five and a half minutes in to be fair he had very little chance with the two strikes and it was the two ex-Aldershot players Jamie Collins and uh, Brett Williams that combined for that second killer goal it proved to be the winner Yes, it was a really gutsy further 85 minutes from Aldershot Town who, uh, Gary Waddock said, they could have collapsed, they could have caved in, they didn't. They pulled one back through Rhys Grant and and they really did huff and puff at Sutton for the rest of the game. They, they are lacking quality going forward and in the goals department as well, other than Rhys Grant, who's found a little bit of form. But Sutton are a tough nut to crack and, uh, you know, at the back there, Jerry, uh, Jerry McDonald, returned up front for Aldershot uh, but he was kept very very quiet in particular by the very experienced and uh, and the now the now up Jamie Collins who I've referred to so much on this podcast I just had to catch up with him after the game I've been joined by Sutton United's skipper Jamie Collins played his part today in quite a gritty hard fought 2-1 uh, victory 
against uh, one of his old clubs, Aldershot Town. Jamie must be uh, delighted as ever with the three points. Yeah, definitely. I think um, coming into the Christmas period, we wanted three, out, three wins out of four games, and we've got three out of three so far, so we're going to the Bromley game obviously confident. We know all the shot have obviously been in a bad run lately, so we wanted a quick start, which we got, but then I think after that it was 50-50 really. I think they got a goal back and obviously pushed on for the rest of the half. Second half they were probably more dominant, but didn't really threaten our goal, if I'm honest. From uh, your point of view, I think I think Sutton United have been in eighth place for about two months now. The other results seem to control, but you're in that chasing pack. You're in the right kind of position to kick on in the new year, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I think if you're running around there around Christmas time, you've always got a chance. We are still eighth, I think. We've been there, like you said, for a couple of months, but I think we're only three points off third now. Obviously, results going our way. But there's still a long way to go, but we're in a good run. We normally have a good second half of the season, so touch wood that happens again. We talk about Sutton United a fair bit on the podcast, and it's usually about your ability, sometimes even when you're not necessarily playing that well, to grind out results, to get... I've lost count, Jamie, how many times I've clicked on my uh, little app and I've seen 87th minute equaliser, Jamie Collins penalty or whatever. I've mentioned you, I don't know how many times for doing it. What's the key to that, really? Is it it just make sure you're staying in the game at all times? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, the one thing we've got at this club and we always have since I've been here is team spirit. And uh, it's a massive thing for us. And look, at this level, you ain't always going to play well. A lot of it, if I'm honest, ain't great football. But look, if you can grind out results at this level when you ain't playing well, you're always going to have a chance. And to be honest, up until the last month, six weeks, we haven't been playing well. But we ground out results, we've been in and around it. So hopefully now we're out of that little bad, not uh, results-wise, but performance-wise, and we can kick on. For, for your own point of view, Jamie, what's more important to you uh, on a Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is? Is it, is it the three points? Is it the clean sheet? Or is it keeping the old goal tally running? <laughs> Nah, it's always the uh, the win. I think uh, you go a win, clean sheet, and then performance. Really, I think uh, especially at this level, if you keep a clean sheet, probably eight times out of ten you're going to win the game. And we went for a spell at the start of the season. We kept a lot of clean sheets, but didn't really score a lot of goals. Then we started scoring goals, but conceding goals. And now we're sort of back to, I think that's one goal in three games. So we're sort of getting back to our clean sheets and winning games. So it's a good combination. You've seen uh, some of the personnel come and go here, but equally there's a kind of through the spine of the team. There's a, a few boys now that have been here a while, and the Butler behind you, and uh, obviously Craig Eastman uh, in front of you, and and those old boys. I get mixed up out there from a distance in commentary. Bailey and uh, Kenny Davis. and Kenny Davis. Yeah, especially when they both stand over the free kick. It does my <laughs> head in, Jamie? <laughs> no, look, I think. Um, the one thing the gaffers always try to do is keep the spine and the side together. Like I said, the biggest thing I, I believe in non-league football is if you've got a good team spirit, it don't matter what players you've got, you're always going to have a chance. I think you see sometimes these teams come and spend all the money in the world, but it don't always guarantee you success. I think um, it's a fine balance. You need the best players, but you also need that team spirit where everyone's going to have each other's back. And no matter what happens, you're going to grind it out for each other. And uh, we've got that in abundance here. Final question, just about your old club, really. Um, obviously, you've been around a while and you'll know Waddock's a good Wiley manager and he's had a couple of good seasons there. They're right in the mire right now, aren't they? Things aren't going for them injury-wise, results-wise. There's a lot of youngsters, perhaps not that same experience through the spine. It's going to be a right scrap for them down the bottom end, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Um Look, he's had two great seasons there. I think uh, if they're honest with themselves, it's probably this time to stay up, rebuild again next year and go again. But um, look, with the quality they've got when they get players like Rendell back fit and uh, a couple of the centre-ass back, I think they'll be fine. I think them, without naming names, I think there's four probably worse teams than them in the league. And look, I've got nothing against shoulder shot, if I'm honest. I hope they stay up because it, it was a good club. I know I wasn't there long, but... Probably apart from the fans, I've got treated very well there. But uh, look, that's football. And uh, I'd, like I said, I do hope they stay up. I've got to admit, Jamie, I'm just going to tag on a question here. I've watched you play a lot of times since against Aldershot Town and TV matches and that. I've always been very, very impressed. Uh, not just with your footballing ability, but your nous as well. The little bits and pieces off the ball. Do you think, looking back on your time at Aldershot, did they see the best of you there um, during that spell? No, obviously, I don't think they did. Um, I was only there six months, and it was, a, it was a difficult six months. I think, if I'm honest, from the age of 19, I was out of fo- full-time football. It probably took me six months to get used to training every day, obviously, playing on a Saturday. It's not an excuse, because, mm. obviously, that's what I wanted to do. But um, I think sometimes you just don't fit with a club and unfortunately for me it was all the shot even though it was probably a dream move for me to get back in the league and obviously I was a friend of Dean Holdsworth as well mm. so it was obviously a double bonus but look 
we move on. Like I said, I've got no grudges against Aldershot, and if I, if anything, he probably got me in good stead to uh, kick on from where I've come from. And that was Jamie Collins, and he's normally renowned for his penalties, but like you say, Rob, he's a, he's a leader, and um, he's he's also not a bad player as well. Yeah, and he's a good talker as well. He knows his stuff. He knows exactly what Sutton are. He knows how they play. He knows it's not the prettiest, but it's very effective. They've got the strength, the nous, the experience, the clout at the back. They've got a good goalkeeper in Butler. They keep the spine of that side together. And Dos can afford to sometimes... Uh, you know, experiment a bit with the wide players and with the forward players. And yet they have stayed in eighth place for a couple of months now. But as uh, as Jamie pointed out, um, they're now just three points off third place. So uh, a few twists and turns to come. And I don't know anybody that would bet against Sutton finishing in the playoff places this season. Do we think, Rob, then from eighth eighth place downwards, they've not really got a chance at the playoffs? I mean, absolutely have picked up a bit of form. They're second in the form table now, but they are six points off that playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite possible that one could come through. Absolutely would be my favourites for that because you can't rule out somebody in that top eight, uh, top seven, top eight, just falling away a little bit. It's remarkable how Solihull Moors and Gateshead in particular have not just got up there, but they've stayed doggedly in there as well. Yeah, definitely. It's be, it'd be interesting yeah, to see what happens to them. In terms in terms of the bottom, Rob, I mean, I know we discussed this the other day. In ter- can you see the bottom three staying as it is? I mean, we'll get on to managerial departures shortly. We've already mentioned Martin Allen from Chesterfield. But can you see uh, Aldershot are only two points clear, having uh, on the same amount of points as Aldershot as well. Uh, Bromley are four points further on from that. So do you think it's from having downwards, maybe takes one of the last the four spots? It's a little bit too early to say, really. There's, there's, there's still 20 games, 20-odd games to go. We did talk about it off-air. With all the comings and goings at Maidstone, uh, it's like a revolving door with the players there. That's not good. They're going to be on to looking for a third manager of the season. Uh, it might just cost them. Braintree, I think we've always thought would struggle and it would be a difficult season for them. But beyond that, you could build cases for why the teams above them could pull away. Maidenhead, as we said, four strikers who know where the goal is. Chesterfield, the sheer size, the clout of the club. Uh, and they did, of course, just recently go 11 matches unbeaten. Uh, Dover, in decent form, picking up wins and a very creditable draw with Orient. Uh, on Saturday Aldershot and Haven probably for me based on everything we see and everything we know um, probably the more likely to get dragged into that I think Bromley will be okay they've strengthened in the last month with a couple of really good signings perhaps keep a lie on Halifax I can't really see anybody else other than that getting dragged into it Luke yeah, it's interesting looking at that bottom seven now. If you look at the bottom five of the farm guide, five out of those teams are at the bottom of the farm guide. There's only Chesterfield and Dover who are kind of a bit further up in the farm guide. But at the minute, the bottom five in the farm guide are Braintree, Haven, Maidenhead, Maidstone and Aldershot, which kind of says how the season's going yeah. at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've got no qualms with that. Momentum in, in, in sport, in football, is massive uh, and, and it can just feel like a slippery slope you can't get off of it certainly does at Aldershot at the moment I think Gary Warwick's uh, team are most definitely playing for him and they're not too far off at times but you know they're putting 70, 80 good minutes in but in the other 5, 10 or 15 minutes they're throwing the game away you know and um, uh, losing definitely becomes a habit and all those five teams that you mentioned uh, are going to have to try and break that habit in the new year They'll all be thinking the same psychologically, won't they? Thank goodness, a new year. We can put that one behind us. And, uh, and, and, and uh, so maybe, you know, there could be some significance in the New Year's Day results. Do people turn the corner or do they really? Is it, it, it's no different. Is it, it's just three, four days later. Might be another year. But uh, the same old habits aren't just going to disappear, are they? Yeah, 2019 New Year, new start. So between Christmas and or between Boxing Day and Saturday, we saw a couple of managerial departures. Uh, Martin Allen, as we said, left at Chesterfield. Harry Wheeler, he got the chop from Maidstone. He went in there, got, didn't really get the new manager bounced, did he, Robin? In the end, he's been given his his marching orders. He got a little bit of joy early on, a couple of draws and a win, I think, in his first three or four matches. But ultimately, then the merry-go-round of players can be very very difficult environment to be in if others come in or to come into 
Um, and I'm sure he had lots and lots of ideas, Harry Wheeler, and he, and he can't be blamed for, for, for a lack of effort or trying, but uh, ultimately it didn't work out. I would say, despite their precarious position, that's still a great job to go for, you know, in non-league football. Maidstone averaging, I think, the sixth or seventh highest attendances in the National League. Um, probably wouldn't take too much of a run to pull them away from trouble. No. You know, if they get if they get the right manager to come in, they probably do need... Uh, do you know what? Ridiculous as it sounds, the kind of job they need now for the remainder of the season is the kind of job that Martin Allen is very experienced at. Um, and incidentally, I know that's going to link us in, but um, John still retiring from Barnet. Given that he's come, you know, he, he's been the manager, given that he's now gone upstairs as director of football, you would think they'd have given a great deal of thought to that timing and that Barnet must have a clear plan. A lot of people saying it'll be Martin Allen coming back for a sixth spell. I don't think so. I don't see that. He is a firefighter when he's come back in and he's come in to try and stave off relegation. That's not the, where, where Barnet are right now, are they? They're 13th, they're mid-table. Uh, it's probably more for them about building something a little bit more uh, sustainable for the future, something uh, with a bit of continuity, hence the fact that uh, John Still is staying. We have to doff our cap to John Still. He's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant manager and a lovely man, and I, and I, for one, am really, really sad to see this day. It's always going to be inevitable. At least he's kind of. It's good to see him go out on his terms in a way, though, Rob. And he's decided, right? It's my time to go, and he's staying involved in the club and going upstairs rather than just he's been sacked or he's had to resign because it's not been going well. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't gone too badly, really, has it? You know, they're mid-table. They've had a decent cut run. They're still in it, and. Uh, and a couple of conversations I had with people on uh, Saturday were along the same lines. You know, he clearly is that selfless. He could so easily have picked up the FA Cup side to say his goodbyes, couldn't he? You know, but he's standing back and letting. Uh, well, initially, uh, Curry's in charge, isn't he? So, uh, is that an initial short-term step, or is that um, you know, is that the way they intend to go, or is that an indication that they want him to hold the fort because uh, someone else is impending? Potentially, yeah, with the uh, a guiding hand from John Still, maybe. Darren Curry can be a manager with John Still kind of guiding him, but from above. Yeah, that could be. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I think mm. it's going to be more news, surely, to come out of, of Barnet soon. Uh, I understand the comparison, uh, you know, the, the, the references to Martin Allen. I mean, both decisions came within 24 hours of each other, didn't they? Glad to say I haven't heard any rumours of Barnet phoning up Aldershot yet, because uh, there have been strong rumours the last couple of years that they have come in uh, they've been the team that uh, mysteriously came in and approached Aldershot Town about Gary Waddock but um, yeah there, there, there is a right old merry-go-round there at the moment especially at, at two of the clubs that had high expectations for this season and uh, I guess more movement to, to come whether any of the uh, three clubs will employ managers that are already managing in this league we'll have to just wait and see yeah in terms of Maidstone they got the actual they got the, the, the reaction that they wanted by winning 1-0 at Boreham Wood which leaves them just three points now uh, off safety Maidstone the big problem for Maidstone Rob though is they've only won one game at home their away form's been fine they've won five away from home and drawn one whereas at home they've lost eight and only won one so it kind of tells you where the problems lie they can go, get somebody to go in there get that fortress with that big crowd behind him and then you can see Maidstone going on a good run yeah I mean I find that staggering because they've got two big advantages there one is okay it's not as big an advantage as it was obviously with with the 3G pitch or 4G pitch whatever it's called um, the other one is with that with that fan base and they're, they're they're not just some of the loudest fans in the National League but they're some of the most loyal as well you know I've been there on a, a couple of occasions where they've been having difficult games against Aldershot and the crowd don't turn on them so um yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a strange one, that. But, yeah, anyway, anybody coming in, if they can address the, the home form, then Maidstone will have every chance. And now a look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Tim Flowers, Solly Moore's Football Club, and you're listening to the National League Podcast. Looking back at the key results on Boxing Day, Chris, just running through briefly, Bradford Park Avenue, they kept up at the top by winning 5-1 at Geisley. Charlie kept up the pressure by winning 4-1 at FC United. And Southport halted Chester's recent run by beating them three goals to nil. At the bottom, Darlington gave their survival hopes a massive boost by beating York 5-1. And Ashton United won the Ashton Derby at Curzon 4-2. Some important results to mull over there, Chris. 
yeah there were some massive ones on Boxing Day it was a really good Boxing Day actually and I noticed one that you did leave out was um, was Stockport County beat Altrincham as well 2-0 uh, on, on Boxing Day so there were some really big ones and I think I'm going to pull out the one that you mentioned of the Ashton Derby between Kers and Ashton and Ashton United because both teams can't buy a point at the moment they're, they're both really struggling and a massive win for Ashton United that was on uh, on Boxing Day and uh, you've got to say since um, since John Flanagan has left Kers and Ashton they've been really struggling yeah it's, it's, it's no surprise I mean we, we talked about that Chris I think they're in 13th in the table when he left and yeah they're just one point above the relegation zone now one point and one place above the relegation zone and you do fear for them a little bit don't you uh, you know you really do you can't see where uh, where it's coming from and I know that uh, a friend of ours George was at Curzon Ashton yesterday and I think he mentioned that Curzon got in some good shooting opportunities but just didn't get a shot on target in yesterday's game that he was at yeah and Saturday they, they hosted second place Charlie lost by a goal to nil Charlie closed within a point on Bradford Park Avenue who only drew 2-2 at Boston and uh, it's game on again especially with Charlie having that game in hand definitely it is Bradford Park Avenue no one would have expected them to be up there I don't think anyone would have picked Jolie to be up there though as well at this, this time of the season but Jolie look like they've got over that um, that little dip of maybe about five or six games ago now and they're back on the they're back on the road they're back on the bus and the form is good um, the winning matches that they should be winning and they're putting away they're putting away a lot of the teams at the lower end of the table at the minute but they're doing it very effectively yeah and as you mentioned Stockport County they backed up their win on Boxing Day over Altshingham beating Kidderminster Harriers in the what was a star match in the, the non-league paper uh, over the weekend and I, I can't think who might have written that article Oh, I don't know. Do you know him? Yeah, uh, someone called Pratt, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, Luke, um, you might have to stop me talking about Stockport County, so uh, if I go on for too long, please do stop me. No, they've been absolutely exceptional. Over this Christmas period, the top of the form table by, by a long way, but what's significant for me is that they're picking up wins against the teams who are around them so they beat Altrincham as I mentioned 2-0 on Boxing Day clean sheet they beat Kidderminster yesterday clean sheet they're keeping clean sheets they're really hard to break down the winning matches though, I mean, Sam Minihan scored a header in the 87th minute yesterday and by the way they've lost the last six league matches against Kidderminster I've never seen them beat Kidderminster so it was a really really big victory and there's a bit of belief in the stands now the crowds are gradually coming back I mean they've always had good crowds but those extra 10% that come when things are going well are, are beginning to come through the turnstiles again now and um, football's good and it's quietly confident they've gone from 12th to 3rd in about the last 6 weeks which is what can happen over this Christmas period there was over 3,500 at Edgley Park on Saturday they're a little way off the top Chris I mean are they realistic title contenders or do you think it's just a case of getting a strong playoff position now well look you know football can change very quickly and I, would, I could be sitting on the podcast next week um, they've got Altrincham to play on New Year's Day again albeit they have beaten them twice in the last few weeks in the trophy as well and um, then they've got Bradford Park Avenue at home on Saturday that I'll be at so it could be a very different picture this time next week but for the moment I think they are realistic title contenders they're so difficult to break down they're just not conceding goals at all at the moment I think they, they conceded one against Alfreton in the last four league games I think you've got to say they'll be up there and absolutely no disrespect to, to Bradford Park Avenue and Chorley as well but at this, it, as it gets through this stage of the season you've got to look at depth of squads and things like that I think they could be up there if they can keep this momentum going if you keep this crowd behind them I think they could be challenging albeit 7 points 9 points if Chorley win that game in a hand is a is a big gap to uh, gap to to get across. It's tight anyway, isn't it between Stockport in third and Brackley in 10th. There's only 6 points separating them. So like you say a couple of defeats for Stockport all of a sudden he could slip out of the playoff places. A couple of wins for Brackley, they could be up to third. It's that tight at the minute. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I'm just being a little bit cautious because like I said they have gone from 
twelfth to third in the in the last few weeks, and that is because that that zone is very congested. Um, but at the minute, I won't put anything anything past them because they are playing some great football. And they beat a team, Kidderminster, who looked like Charlie's biggest challengers at the start of the season. They were, they were with them step by step, but they're actually now slipped out of the playoff places and they're going through a bit of a, a bad run of form at the minute. They are, and we you know we will listen to. I did speak to Neil McFarlane after the game about about their form at the moment. I think what I would say is that the team that were out yesterday are. They're not as good as the Kidderminster Harriers that I've seen in the last few seasons, but as um, as Neil McFarlane explains when I chat to him, um, there's a few reasons behind that. And I have Neil McFarlane joining me on the Nationally Full-Time Podcast. Neil, it's a game of fine margins, isn't it? I mean, that was a real battling performance out there today. Yeah, like I've alluded to there just when I was talking to the press, that I have no complaints with the players. I'm really proud of the, their attitude and their application, their desire at times in the, the match, considering the, the amount of games they're playing in a short period. I understand it's the same for everybody else, but that, that's one thing you want to see when you're standing on the sidelines is that, that desire, and that was unquestionable today. Mm. And you mentioned before, I was listening before, and you've got a bit of illness through the camp as well. You had players playing through that today. Yeah, well, listen, we've a really small squad, uh, and it's not something that we want to see. The suffering of the injuries of Ed and, and Billy uh, at Hereford on Boxing Day, and hopefully they'll be back sooner or later. But yeah, at this period of time, it's that time where there is a bit of illness flying about, and we had that today. But as I said, that goes back to the, to the other point I was making. I couldn't be prouder of the boys for, for what they did in terms of if they were struggling, they just battered on. Now you mentioned you had a great start to the season and um, slowed up in recent weeks. Do you think because the games are going are going to slow down a bit now, they're not going to come as thick and fast? That's going to that's going to help you out with with this situation. Yeah, listen, we had an unbelievable start to the season, uh, and we're in a patch now that's that's a sticky spell that we want to come out of as sooner rather than later and hopefully we'll come out of that New Year's Day at Hereford I don't think we can forget what we did in the start of the season and I think in spells you can see that with the players you know they're still really believing in everything we do and, and you can see that again through that burning desire to do well sometimes it doesn't happen but I'm quite sure that in the second half of the season which we've now entered we'll be in good we'll be in good spirits and have a really good opportunity to hopefully climb the league Yeah and are you still thinking about an automatic place or are you you're thinking about getting us high up and getting that, those best playoff positions if you like Well I think like the way to look at it is that the other part that you're 100% right in is that we had such a good start mm. now if we hit that bit of momentum mm. and momentum's massive in football if we can hit the momentum hopefully going into the new year I'm confident that we'll be up there That was Neil McFarlane the Kidderminster manager speaking to Chris after and can you see them uh, coming again almost Chris you know and getting back into those playoff places yeah I can and you know as as Neil said that that wasn't their um, full strength team yesterday and uh, we all know that Kidderminster have got a good team they've got a good squad they've got a good manager he's so energetic on the touchline Neil McFarlane he's, he's one of these guys who's always out of his box <laughs> you know he's always out, out of that line and the, you know the fourth officials have got to keep him in check and stuff like that but he exudes energy and I think he he does transmit that to his players as well um, and I think once they get everyone fit and firing I was a, a slightly disappointed with Dan Bradley yesterday I've expected big things about him and he was, he, he was a bit anonymous yesterday but uh, but apart from that I think I think they'll be fine and I think they'll get back in those playoff spots In terms of Chester Chris I know you said last week keep an eye on them because they could be heading towards a title well they lost on <laughs> Boxing Day away at Southport and then they lost at Hereford yesterday rather surprisingly and that's two games now without a goal two defeats and I'm sure they'll come again but a bit of a surprise those two results that they haven't picked up at least a winning one of those yeah I make my apologies now to Bernard Jono um, I really do apologise for putting them in there as title favourites because since I said that quite obviously they've lost two games <laughs> it was always going to happen wasn't it they'll be really disappointed I think with, with the form over those last two matches and I think they'll be I think they'll be perhaps especially disappointed about yesterday at, at Hereford now Having said that, Hereford are on a, a bit of a tear-up at the moment. They've won la- three of the last four games, um, and a 1-0 against Kidderminster, who we were just talking about as well. So you know, so it it was tricky, but I think Bernard John will really do like the teams to to bounce back after a defeat, and it just hasn't happened. And it's, I don't know, something's just whether the, whether it's just too many games coming in at, at this time of the year, and they just haven't adapted to that very well. I'm not sure, but yeah, they'll be disappointed. But on Hereford, 
fifth win on the bounce for Hereford in, in, in all competitions. And Mark Richards is beginning to get that team firing, I think. Um, fifth win at home, I think it was, on the bounce, sorry. Um, and he's beginning to get them firing. And I did speak to him earlier in the season. He's got a very methodical approach. I was just talking about Neil McFarlane then, and he's a guy who's all action, he's all energy. Well, Mark Richards is a student he's, he's more like a kind of an Arsene Wenger he's, he studies the game and that methodical approach seems to be uh, guiding them away from danger at the moment yeah although they are only three points clear of the drop I mean Ashton United are, are four points adrift of them the closest team to Hereford will be FC United who took the lead against Spennymoor yesterday were well, 1-0 up and then they had Tom Pears sent off and from there on Spennymoor went on to win the game and uh, we talked about the bottom last week Chris and do you think it'll be a case of FC and Curzon swapping positions at the end of the season uh, yeah I think you've got to, you've got to look at those there's always a wild card as well at the minute I think they'll stay clear but York are dropping like a stone as we uh, as we speak I think FC United uh, they were unfortunate yesterday but you know losing a losing a player changed the game and I have noticed on Twitter that Tom Pierce has apologized to the fans to the players etc etc for and that's changed the result there I think though you've got to look at those three you've got to look at Curzon and plus minus one other possibly York you know there's there's plenty of teams there's only if you go all the way up to Leamington there's only eight points up to up to 12th position so you know who knows yeah I just need someone to go on a good run or somebody to have a really bad run and th- that'll be it uh, Tom Pierce was sent off for a two foot challenge yesterday it was a very oh, poor okay, tackle right, yeah. so um yeah, there was, there was no complaints from either side on that, really. So is there any other results that caught your eye on Saturday, Chris? Yeah, de- definitely. Telford 4, Leamington 1. Telford won the last two matches. They won on Boxing Day at home, 3-1 against Nuneaton. They beat Leamington today, 4-1. Seven goals in two games, and they're back in the playoff positions. They're up to six, I think, now. Now, Amari Morgan-Smith got a couple of goals in that game. There was two early goals, two late goals. There was also two send-ins off, so everything came in doubles yesterday. Two send-ins off for Leamington right at the death. I was actually looking at, um, at Richard, who often appears on the, on this podcast, who's, who's the oracle of all things Telford United. I watched his interview, I looked at some of his tweets, and I think what he was saying is that Amari Morgan-Smith deserves those couple of goals because his partnership with Daniel Udo, who often gets a lot of the glory by scoring the goals, he's created a lot of the goals for Daniel Udo this season and, and sort of deserved his double. Gavin Cowan... Cowan on his in his interview with Richard was talking about picking up the momentum now off the back of that three one win, and it's a really difficult place to go is, is Telford United, and it, it's really good to see them firing and scoring a lot of goals in the process as well. Yeah, you look at the teams in the playoffs at the minute, Chris. They're all big teams with good fan bases, aren't they? So it's not, whoever you get in the playoffs, it's going to be a really tough place to go in it if you're the away team. Yeah, and do you know what? I think um, I think I defended this about eighteen months ago. The new playoff structure about the you know second and third get um, certainly get an advantage by finishing higher up um, than fourth to seventh, and those second and third spots are going to be really coveted because that home advantage is so important. Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. So we'll look at the South now, and on Boxing Day. Tom, you went down to Torquay, didn't you? You saw the Playmore Derby where Torquay won by four goals to two against Truro. Uh, they fell behind early on, didn't they? And we'll, we'll get on to Gary Johnson's interview in a minute, but it was a, a good, solid performance from Torquay in the end. Yeah, they did indeed. Um, and it's it's really important to point out that Truro actually played pretty well across the 90 minutes. I turned up with Torquay having won their last four. I think they'd won something like 10, drawn three. In their in their recent run, I really expected them to play Truro off the park, but um, I went along with my old man. And for the first half an hour, Truro were much the better side. But Torquay kept pace; they were only a goal behind, and then they had about a 15-minute window where they scored three genuinely fantastic goals. Um, Asa Halls uh, came in from Barrow in the summer. His was a particular beauty from about 30 yards, just drilled right up into the top of the net. You know, you'll hear Gary Johnson talk about it and how he's turned the club around. Um, I don't think it's any secret that the fans weren't happy and the players weren't particularly enjoying the style they were playing under Gary Hours but uh, he's obviously gone Gary Johnson came in towards the end of September beginning of October I think and he really just has turned things around down there um, not only with the results 
but the way they're playing and the and the feeling at the club. They had over 3,800 at the Truro game on Boxing Day. They had, I think, 3,070 yesterday. It's really good feeling down at Torquay at the moment. And I, I, I do see it being a two-horse race between them and Woking at the top. Um, both sides have won their last six on the trot. And really, we were looking at it as a three-horse race, weren't we, with Billericke in there? But this last month has been just such a difficult period for them losing all the players they've lost they've lost four of their last six games you know five one lost to Chelmsford on Boxing Day that must have hurt them when you see pretty respectable Villaricky fans on Twitter talking about how they're just grateful they've got the points they have because that means they don't think they'll be in a real relegation battle that tells you where they think they are um, they're down to sixth Woking and Torquay are matching each other stride for stride at the top and I can see this being a really blood and thunder title race going right to the wire. Here's Gary Johnson's thoughts now uh, after that game when you caught up with him on Boxing Day. With Gary Johnson, Torquay United manager after he's just watched a, watched a very accomplished 4-2 victory by his team. Gary, you said in your programme notes that form books go out the window in uh, local derbies. That's about as good as you could have hoped for today, surely? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously... When we went 1-0 down, it was a, it was certainly with the run of play. Truro started off well, they came out and shut us down and our boys, although we warned them, didn't quite take the warning early enough and um, we went a goal down, a very good goal on their part. It woke us up, you know, suddenly the boys realised that they had to do a little bit more competing, a little bit more running, a little bit more quality and if you've got that in your team, then it comes out at some stage and... Uh, it came out in, what, 25, 30-minute spell or something of cosmic football, really, and three goals of people have already said that could have been you know, goal, goal of the season goals themselves, all of them. So uh, so that was great because the, we want to entertain the crowd if we can, and 3,800 was the biggest crowd I think they've had here probably for a long time. And they joined in, they looked like they enjoyed it, and the boys have uh, earned their money, and the crowd has hopefully felt it was value for money for their entrance fee. You've talked about the crowd there, and I know you've spoken at length in the past about footballers being in the entertainment business yeah. a hallmark of your side so far this season has been three goal four goal victory is that something you really set out to achieve when you arrived yeah it is I mean I've done it all my career really or tried to I mean it's like one of those you know you get some managers that you know you go one nil up and that's it they're happy to stay one nil up but I want to be entertained as well and if you've got the players that you think can do the job and can entertain and have got the quality and the ability to do clever things that the football supporters understand you, you get a good response you know we had to get the crowd up it, it means that our future whatever happens at the end of the season the club's growing again and that was so so important to me coming back because that was the project you know we needed to get this club back on the road and players have responded and now you're seeing the crowd have responded and that's something I wanted to ask you about really um, you're probably one of the most high profile managers that I've ever seen at Step 2 what was it about the Torquay United project that attracted you to come here? Well it's no use going somewhere where you want to entertain you're still going to get 300 people you know what I mean You know, you, I don't feel I've gone to a non-league club, playing in a non-league league, but I don't feel, you know, like 3,800, you know, all singing round the round the ground and the stands and the stadium itself and dressing room. Obviously, we're full-time as well, so, you know, training is exactly the same. So I knew that I would come here and still feel like uh, I was managing in, a, in a, f- a football league club. Now, of course, the league is different and we've got to try and get two leagues up to get back in the football league. But uh, you know, while we're trying to do that, it's good that everybody's enjoying it and understanding what I'm trying to do. I appreciate your question. And obviously, your first step, getting back to the football league, promotion back to the National League this season. Billericke lost again today. The money seems to have gone. Do you really see it as a two-horse race between yourselves and Woking? Well, you've got to be careful when you say that. At this moment in time, it looks that way, but... Um, you know, I still say there's teams that are just in the playoffs and just outside the playoffs that can put a run together. I'm not going to make no predictions about just us and Woking, but at the moment, it, obviously, it looks like that. But it's a it's a long old season. We've played just over half the games. You know, 22, we got 20 to go, whatever it is. That's a lot of points, and you know, people can have tr- their troubles at their clubs where suddenly, you know, as you say, Billy Ricky, they're having their troubles and then you know the other teams will will all see a little bit of a chink in people's armour now and again and, and there's some clever players in this league there is and if you if you're not on form they can beat you and what you don't want to be doing is getting beat and then all of a sudden you're, you're on a bit of a downer because you've got beat and everyone is, expects you to win all of a sudden and you can get dragged back in pretty quick so we've got to make sure we, we keep our noses in front as, as best we can and uh, we've still got two three very important Christmas games 
And if we can come out of them unscathed, then we'll have to. That will put Woking under pressure to have to either win both their games or whatever. That's what we've got to try and do. Make sure that we we stay ahead of them so they they're chasing us at the moment. Final question from me. I watched Tokyo away at Slough earlier in the season and the difference between playing style and the confidence in the players on the pitch is remarkable to be honest what was it you you set about to do how did you change the attitude and the, the confidence for these players so quickly I suppose if I told you that then everybody would do it wouldn't they <laughs> Listen, yeah, I just had to come in I know what I want I know how I want my teams to play both uh, mentally and physically I want them to be fit I want them to be clever I want them to be in the zone for 90 minutes now it's alright saying all that but you've got to have training sessions that can do that you've got to get their trust like you have to get the supporters trust because we can all talk a good game can't we but um, you've got to do the job and you know, at the moment it's been an, an unbelievable job that you know we've, we've all done but the players have bought into it so well that what is it now 11 11 wins 3 draws in the league or something you know. and it's a turnaround it's not as though it was the start of the season but when all that happens then the players start getting a little bit of confidence they know the supporters are on their side they can make a mistake and nobody moans whereas before if it's not going well and they make a mistake the boys they're nervous that if they do then everyone's going to moan about it you know and then no one likes that so that positive support that you have to earn as well as a player and uh, so I'm going to have to shoot you now because I've told you too much <laughs> great stuff well no thank problem. you for that it's really good no cheers, Gary. cheers and that was Gary Johnson thankfully he didn't shoot Tom but he was full of Christmas cheer wasn't he yeah he was he was very bubbly um, you know you can see he's a real football guy the first question he asked when he came off the pitch was how did Bristol City get on uh, obviously his son's still the manager there um, what I did think was very interesting um, was in the little chats around the interviews that he did one of the teams he was most concerned about getting a result for was Bath City. Now Bath, obviously, are down. Uh, well, they're there. They're eighth in the league, but he clearly sees them as a threat because they were one of the main teams he was focused on. Now, I suggested I think it's a two-horse race. He thinks we need to be careful having those conversations, but you know that's the great thing about punditry is you there aren't too many things that go wrong if you make a bad prediction. You just end up getting battered by Rob in the prediction table. <laughs> but um, when I look at it. I, it does look too horse to me um, and if I had to call it I'd say I think Torquay have got the stronger squad but some of the actual individuals at Woking are some of the best in the league when you think of the likes of Max Kretschmar um, Jamal Loza so it is just uh, almost too tight to call I think Yeah in terms of Bath City they drew 2-2 with Chippenham in the A4 derby on Boxing Day and then won 2-0 at bottom of the side Western Supermare which puts them into 8th position in the table currently a game in hand and they're only out of the playoffs on a goal difference so they're currently 11 points behind Torquay but like you say it, maybe Gary Johnson feels they'll go on a strong run at the end of the season they have been fairly solid this season haven't they yeah they've been pretty consistent um, if I'm honest I expected to see them probably a little bit higher um, I like the look of the squad um, they've got a good supporter base at Bath uh, it's, a, it's a nice city isn't it it's an easy draw for players but I don't think even down at Bath they would be aiming for the title. I think most people realise that Torquay and Woking are a, a scale above you know, the rest of the clubs at this level. But when you look at the rest of the league, from third, Concord Rangers, all the way down to Chippenham Town in 12th, it's only a seven-point difference. So those extra uh, five playoff places are massively up for grabs this season. And one side who really staked a claim to them this weekend were Chelmsford, um, who I think had uh, a really great Christmas um, they battled Billericay 5-1 which must have felt very nice for them uh, particularly with uh, a lot of the chat coming out of Billericay over the last couple of seasons about how they were going to leave Chelmsford behind and then they went and beat Hemel 2-1 on the 29th to really put the gloss on their Christmas um, Scott Fenwick, Thomas Wright and Reese Murphy have just been absolutely on fire for Chelmsford over the last couple of weeks uh, and they're well up into the playoff mix now yeah, they seem to do this, Chelsea, and then they have a couple of bad results and slip out again. So, can they stay up there now? Do you think? I hope so, uh, Luke, because I put ten quid on them uh, to finish in the top four this season. So, <laughs> it would be really nice for me if they could. But I, I'm always going into the beginning of the season really confident that Chelmsford are going to put a run together and get a firm playoff place and potentially even go up. And every time I say that, Chelmsford fans say, "Nah, don't worry about it. We won't do it. We never do." Um, confident they'll lose in the playoffs as always <laughs> but yeah. I, I've been quite impressed with over the last few weeks and it would be nice to see them keep it together because they are a good good sized club and I'd like to see how they can fare in the National League 
And we're, we're going to talk, I'm just going to talk to you about Wheelstone, Tom, because they got battered by three goals to nil at home by Slough on Boxing Day. And that saw Stone's live Twitter put out a poll which says, is it time for Bobby Wilkinson to go? 43% said that he should resign. And it didn't get any better for them on Saturday. They lost 2 0 at home to Oxford City, albeit Oxford City are in the playoff places. But Wheelstone now, they're in 14th place and they're probably below expectations at the minute aren't they yeah definitely particularly when you consider the players they brought in over the summer um, they spent some money they they backed Bobby Wilkinson particularly after that uh, FA Trophy run last season but to take no points from the Christmas period including against Slough at home that you'd expect them to win although of course Slough then went and beat Dulwich Hamlet as well so they've taken six points away from home over the uh, over the Christmas period yeah it's been an underperforming period for Wilson I can see them picking up the table I don't think they're going to finish as low as 14th I think there are some sides above them who fundamentally aren't as good as them Bobby Wilkinson definitely does need to pick his finger up I hadn't seen that poll um I'm a little bit surprised, but we do know that football supporters tend to have short memories, don't they? The result against Oxford City won't have made eased any of the pressure on Bobby Wilkinson. Before we, um, I get you to pick out another result, Tom. Troro, you saw them against Torquay. You said they played really well. Well, they got a really good win away at Hungerford, who were in and around that bottom uh, area with Troro. But that's given Troro now a massive advantage of seven points over third bottom Hungerford. And they've got two games in hand as well. So that was a massive result for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I predicted Truro to struggle this season. Um, and had they have been staying at playing all year, I think I'd, I'd stand by that prediction. Um, the fact that they're going to be moving back to Trio Road, things are looking a bit more positive around the club. I really don't think they're going to be in trouble this season anymore. You know, they are up to sixth in the form table. They, they've only lost to Oxford, who are very good, and Torquay, who are also very good, in their last six games. Tyler Harvey's up to top scorer in the league. He's got five in two games over the Christmas period. You know, a four-goal haul away from home is fantastic at any level. And I've always been impressed with Tyler Harvey. I remember him coming through as a youth player at Plymouth Argyle. Um, I saw him against Charlton Athletic when Truro went on their run last season and he didn't look out of place against the League One defence. Um, it's the age-old conundrum for non-league teams. They want him to do as well as he can. He's now their top-ever scorer in the National League South. But if he keeps his form up, he will not finish the season at Truro City. There will be league clubs who want to take him and give him a chance. Um, because he's absolutely on fire at the moment. In terms of the playoffs, we were saying about in the north as well. I mean, like you say, Torquay and Woking uh, are starting to pull away a little bit. But then from Welling United down to all the way down to sort of Chippenham in 12th, it's very tight, isn't it? There's like, I think there's seven or eight points separating those teams. Yeah, massively. And, you know, how many times have we spoken about this on, uh, on this podcast? Those extra two places in the playoffs, they just open the season up and they make the season competitive longer. Um, I think gone are the days now where when you got towards the last two months of the season clubs would look to cut costs once they knew they couldn't make the playoffs because the fact there's those two extra teams in there mean they will keep their squads they'll remain competitive and they'll try and grab that last spot right to the final day um, at the moment what is it seventh, uh, sixth and seventh of the last two spots you've got eight teams who can reach that um, that's remarkable and uh, it promises to be a really good last few months of the season uh, Any more results that have caught your eye in the National League South on Saturday? Well I mean I've spoken about Slough I think they had a really good Christmas I think uh, Hampton and Richmond have had a pretty bad Christmas um, they would have really wanted to put one over Woking considering they're the new Hampton and Richmond with all their players and their manager um, and then they followed that 3-1 loss to Woking up with a 3-2 loss to Chippenham Town um, who were definite mid-table rivals for for the Beavers but the final thing I wanted to talk about really in the National League South is just how nice it is to see Dulwich Hamlet back at Champion Hill mm. um, they, they got a capacity 3,000 crowd it was an absolute sellout for them on Boxing Day and thankfully they managed to pick up the win they lost to Slough yesterday and as I say Slough had that really good Christmas six points against real rivals but um, it's just a really nice moment for Dulwich Hamlet less so for the one fan who did turn up at Tooting and Mitcham on the 29th thinking that Dulwich were playing there <laughs> and have to be sent away with not enough time to get to his match. Oh dear. Yeah, there was, um, there was 2,900 there on Saturday as well. And as we said earlier in the season, it's so good to see them back at home now. And hopefully all their problems are solved and, and they'll, they'll go straight up the table. Tom, I wanted to ask you about Dulwich Hamlet. I, I knew about them returning to Champion Hill. I'm just staggered, particularly in the uh, National League South, where, you know, even the top sides 
uh, other than Woking and Torquay. They, they, they struggled to break a thousand. But the, the size of those crowds, I mean, did Dulwich used to get really big crowds when they were at Champion Hill before? Yes, they did. Um, you know, they were, they've always averaged well over a thousand. Um, I'll just I'll just pull up the uh, the turnstile league quickly while we're sat here because it is it's a really interesting point. And as you say, the the National League South generally averages well less than the National League North. Uh, but looking at it here, even when they were in the Isthmian League last year, they were just shy of 800 for their average attendance. Um, and I think this season only Worthing in the Isthmian League are as high as that. But they're, they're a very well-supported club. Um, a lot of that is down to like how the club conducts themselves. They do fan days. They're a very accessible club for children. You know, they're, they're in a very community-conscious part of South London as well. Um, and they do get a lot of uh, a lot of couples, a lot of young families going down there. It's a, I would say, quite a progressive club. Um, and don't you know, it won't remain at three thousand, of course. But don't be surprised to see it staying in the top top one thousands, early two thousands. Through the rest of the season, and they've got a great Fantastic. shirt as well. And their shirt is amazing. That pink and purple sort of sashed shirt is 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 a thing of beauty, isn't it? Yeah, easily top two shirts in the league, up there with Bath City, which I've said before is a beauty. Nice one, guys. Thanks for joining us. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us this week. Yep. Cheers, guys. And have a great New Year. Cheers, guys. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank you for listening to the podcast. All that's left for me to say is make sure you follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time or Facebook NL Full Time, and you can get all the latest podcasts from us on iTunes and Spotify and also the podcast app. Until then, all that's left for me to say is have a very happy new year and we'll be back next week.